Hey everybody and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with this psychic sister. This is Katie Weaver. I'm here for our Friday morning pop-up. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I hope that you guys are having a good kickoff to your weekend. I hope you're having a weekend, you know. Hopefully you have a chance to do something fun and stay cool and, I don't know, enjoy yourself. Uh, <laughs> how's that, right? I hope you are. Uh, I have some interesting stuff this morning. Some DNA talk has kind of become one of my favorite things these days with that. As we keep presenting more DNA for the win kinds of cases, uh, it's just pretty cool to keep seeing these cases solved. So, you know, Crime Con happened here a couple of weekends ago. And David Middleman, who is the CEO of Authram Inc., spoke. And Authram is one of these amazing DNA labs that's helping to solve cold cases. So Authram is a private lab. Uh, they will be hired by various uh, municipalities and organizations to help look at a case and look at the DNA of a case. And they've had a lot of success here the last while. But he was talking about the all of the challenges as well. He said he thinks it's helpful to look at forensic casework like an iceberg. And the tip of the iceberg is where we are now. He right? That's where the DNA evidence is, is the tip. But uh, underneath the surface, that enormous piece of ice, that's where a lot of the work is happening with detectives and law enforcement to get to the tip of the iceberg, which is where he comes in. So he said there's a lot of things that... Uh, happen that can make it not possible for DNA to be a part of the win. And those are things that we still need a lot of support in. One of them, uh, and he said the main one, is poor data collection. He said uh, if DNA is collected improperly, it can be impossible for them to use. Uh, a degraded uh, sample or a sample that's just uh, been polluted in some way, you know, has bacteria on it, has someone else's DNA on it. You know, there's lots of things that happen that uh, could cause DNA to be unusable. Now, it actually is Othram. It's one of their uh, specialties, actually, to be able to work with the more degraded DNA and get something from it. So they're working on it. They're continuing to hone this process more and more and more and get more and more, uh, you know, evidence together. It's really, I just think it's absolutely amazing. But he said that uh, improper data collection is their biggest challenge and that there needs to be much, much better training across all facets of law enforcement to make sure that DNA is collected correctly so that we don't have these issues, right? How frustrating in a case, can you imagine, to have collected DNA to find a killer or a rapist or something and have, have that not been done correctly to the degree that it couldn't be used? That would be terrible. And it happens a lot. So anyway, as... Uh, as constituents, right, as citizens, these are things that we can keep an eye on and support, which means we support more funding for more training for law enforcement, particularly 
in the area of DNA and evidence. So I think it's interesting to know. Is that the other biggest challenge is that there may not be a match in a criminal database like CODIS. CODIS is the FBI's database. Uh, suspects who have stayed off of law enforcement's radar may not have a DNA profile in the system to compare it to. And that's another challenge that uh, there's not a lot we can do with. However, genealogical uh, DNA is helping with that because now they're really able to look at, okay, well, this matches this profile. So we think this person was probably from, you know, from Georgia. And now we think they were from this county in Georgia. And now we think they were from this family. You know, the, the genealogical mapping is helping with that a lot. But it is one of the bigger challenges, which, you know, I mean, that's a big conversation because our DNA is our private property. And if you choose to put it in the system voluntarily, like say you have a missing person and you want your DNA in the system so that uh, if their DNA ever comes up, they could be matched to yours. Or, you know, if you commit a crime and your DNA is in the system, well, that's, that's your damn fault, right? But it is a sticky conversation because uh, that is, a fingerprint of yours, uh, in, in a sense, that unless you've committed a crime, it doesn't necessarily belong in CODIS or anywhere else. It, it is your privacy that we're talking about. And that's a sticky conversation to get into. But it is one of the challenges in the DNA work is if there's no DNA that matches, then what can they do? Well, genealogical DNA sometimes, but this is what we... This is what we know. So it's interesting. Now, they have had some really interesting stuff happen here in the last while. You know, as we know, the Golden State Killer was a huge one. But he shared a case that I thought was really interesting. So in 2016, these people bought a home in New London, Ohio, and apparently this property was really, uh, had a lot of trash and a lot of uh, like outbuildings and things that were just stuffed with rubbish. And they were cleaning out the attic to a garage and they discovered a partial skeleton, 71 bones from, a, from what they thought was a human skeleton. So... The Courtney Hoffer is the person who owns the property, and, and she tell, told Fox News 8, uh, she said, I was really creeped out. It was very gross, you know, freaked the hell out of her that she found these bones. Oh, they found 79 bones. So there should have been 100 more, and police were re-examining the garage to, uh, you know, see if they could come up with the rest of them. But they aren't sure. At the time, in 2016, uh, the medical examiner said that the bones were at least 30 years old. So keep that in your mind here as we go on through this story. This is where uh, sometimes I think enormous mistakes are made, right? 30 years old, they said, at least 30 years old. And female. They have no idea how the remains got there or if foul play was involved. Apparently... At one time, the property had a building that had a doctor's office in it that had a fire and was demolished in 1998. So this property had really old buildings on it and, you know, obviously had quite a lot of chaos. But 
they wondered if those bones had anything to do with it. So they just didn't know. It's a small town and they didn't have any missing persons. And so people were really weirded out by it, but thought maybe it had something to do with the doctor's office or something, but they just didn't know. So this was in 2016. Well, later on, the Porchlight Project got involved and they worked with the New London Police Chief and they paid to have the bones sent to our lab in Virginia that we're talking about to Othram. And Othram was able to not only extract DNA from those bones, but also use genealogical DNA practices to figure out who she was. Remember how they said the bones were around 30 years old? Try 140 years old. The bones belonged to a teacher who disappeared when she was 18 years old. She was a school teacher. Her name was Hallie Armstrong, and she disappeared in 1881. Yeah, they still don't know the cause of death. They buried her in the Sugar Grove Cemetery in Wilmington. They at least have one piece of her puzzle solved, and that is who she was. Now they still want to know, how the hell did those bones get there? Who put them there and why? But at least they know now who they belong to. But that is amazing. Amazing that they solved a 140-year-old disappearance, kind of by happenstance, because they just wanted to know if a murder had happened in that area that they didn't know about, that they were trying to uh, put together. Did the bones come from the doctor's office? Who knows? It sounds like the property itself, uh, the home where it was found, wasn't anywhere near 140 years old. So somebody had moved those bones or the portion of them that they had and placed them there. So mysteries they may not solve because the person who owned the property before the couple who purchased it now is deceased. And he may not have known either. But at any rate, 140 years old, you guys, that's pretty amazing. And this is what we can continue to expect, right? There's just so many things. That are coming forward. There was a case in Montana. They, a woman was found in the Montana wilderness in 1985. Her remains were found. And she was also went unidentified for a really long time. And Othram managed to uh, identify her. So her remains were found by a bear hunter near uh, Crystal Creek in Missoula, Montana in 85. And for a really long time, they referred to her as Christy Crystal Creek. For 36 years, they did not know who those remains belonged to. And finally, they were able to identify her with Othram's help as Janet Lee Lucas. She was 23 years old when she disappeared. They think that she was killed by a serial killer that had been active in the area at the time. But now at least her family knows, right? 
36 years later, at least her family knows where she went. Now, that one was solved with financial assistance from the Montana Department of Justice's Sexual Assault Kit Initiative Program. That's a really big name. (laughs) They paid for it. See, this is the biggest challenge is that it's really, really expensive to get labs like Othram and others involved. It takes a lot of money to do all of this work and this research and paying for it and who's going to pay for it and how are they going to pay for it is one of the biggest challenges for law enforcement in solving more of these cases, besides the backlog, which uh, is enormous. But at any rate, at least in this case, you know, they were able to solve the case and let her family know Now, solve the case, not necessarily. They still think that uh, she was murdered by a serial killer, but they don't. That part of it is not solved. But at least her family knows, you know. They also were able to identify Siobhan McGinnis. Siobhan McGinnis was a five-year-old that was sexually assaulted and murdered in Montana or in 1974. And that's another case that was solved not too long ago. It was a 46-year-old murder. And they also believe that they know who her killer was. They believe it was a man named Richard William Davis who killed her. Uh, The McGinnis case is one that's a little little more special to me because I actually am friends with uh, someone who was friends with her parents. And it's an amazing thing. Her body was found in a drain culvert a few days after she disappeared. Now, remember, she was only five. She was kidnapped. When they found her, she'd been sexually assaulted and stabbed to death. And for 46 years, they had been working her case, trying to figure out what happened to her. And now, because of DNA, they believe that they know that Richard William Davis is who murdered her. And unfortunately, Mr. Davis died in 2012, so he won't be brought to justice. But at least her parents know a little bit more about what happened to her. Now, he was in the CODIS FBI uh, DNA database because he was known to be sex offender. So it wasn't a big surprise. But, uh, but you know, at least her family had some answers because when it happened uh, in that community, a lot of people, like, you know, turned their fingers on each other and, and, you know, put a lot of doubt in her parents and in their family members and their friends and their neighbors. And, you know, it created this horrible situation where everybody was a suspect or, and no one ever knew who would have done this to Siobhan. So in that case, uh, it's an amazing thing, you know? So Those are some of the uh, DNA cold cases for the wind that uh, came up for me today when I was reading this article about (laughs) Othram and the amazing work that they are doing. So to me, I think uh, it's just really important that we continue to keep an eye on all of the DNA work that's happening, that we support it in every way that we can, that we get excited about it, and that we constantly support more funding for the DNA work because it is our best chance of solving a lot of these old cold cases. It's also a huge deterrent moving forward. When your technology is definitely gonna tattle on you, 
when your DNA is absolutely going to tattle on you, maybe, maybe we can cut back on all of these uh, crimes that, you know, that have riddled uh, the world for all this time. But I hope it slows down serial killers and serial rapists and those who have uh, you know, are a little more worried about getting caught now considering the technology that we have. So that's what I'm thinking about, but very interesting stuff. I want to say hi to Elizabeth, Kathy, JR, and other Kathy. Nice to have you guys all here. Uh, how was our niece's barbecue? It was nice. We had to leave the psychic hour a little early last night for a birthday party. So it was fun. It was really nice. Uh, it finally cooled down. Hi, Jacqueline. And yeah, it was good. My God, it's just so hot right now. It's all I can think about. But <laughs> in Idaho, at least we cool down at night. I know you guys don't everywhere. I mean, we're getting up into the mid-90s during the day, but still cooling down into the 50s at night. <coughs> so we are really lucky in that regard. Because I know some of you guys don't. When I was a kid, we traveled to Vegas to visit a grandparent. And it was so horribly hot all day. And then it was so horribly hot all night. <laughs> there was just no getting comfortable, no matter what uh, you know time of day was. And that was an eye opener to me. I thought everybody got cooled back down at night, but maybe not the case everywhere. But I hope you guys are hanging in there. So there you have it. There's a bunch of DNA for the win. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Please do something fun. Do something cool. <laughs> Chase down the ice cream truck. Go get a diet cherry limeade from Sonic. You know I will. <laughs> All right, you guys. Have a good, good weekend. Christy will be back tomorrow with another pop-up. And we have a really interesting case for you breaking Monday morning. So take care. This has been True Crime Paranormal with this psychic sister. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.